Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Let's Run, the Western Mass Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gaudet. This podcast is made possible thanks to the resources at East Hampton Media. Today's podcast guest, Ashley Mellon, is a member of the Empire One Running Club, and she has been gearing up to run the Chicago Marathon on Sunday, October 10th. Ashley has run 12 marathons, including Chicago in 2019, and has been on a quest to gain entry into the Boston Marathon. As a younger marathon runner in her early 30s, Ashley's qualifying time for Boston is challenging, three hours, 30 minutes. While Ashley has beat this qualifying threshold multiple times, she unfortunately has not had a sufficient buffer under this threshold to make the cut for Boston. Hopefully, that will change when registration for the 2022 Boston Marathon opens this November. Ashley is also an enthusiastic CrossFit athlete, which I'm sure has helped her running. Here's my conversation with Ashley Mellon, and stay tuned afterwards for some information on the future of the Let's Run podcast, as well as information on local running events. I'd like to now welcome Ashley Mellon to the Let's Run podcast. I see Ashley quite a bit at the Empire One Running Club Thursday night races at Ashley Reservoir. In this year's 12-week point series, Ashley ran in 10 of the races and was the first female finisher in five of them. Ashley is currently training for the Chicago Marathon, which will take place on Sunday, October 10th. We're recording this conversation on Monday, September 28th, 13 days before Chicago. So Ashley, welcome to the Let's Run podcast. Thank you for having me. So the first thing I have to ask you is, how's your training for Chicago going? Training's going really well. I mean, considering it's been summer and the weather's been pretty hot and humid, I think I've stuck to the training plan pretty spot on for the most part. Missed a couple runs due to vacations and stuff, but I feel pretty good. My speed work is on point and my long distance runs are going well. And I'm just about to hit taper mode pretty soon. Yeah, I can concur with you on the uh, the hot and humid weather. I'm training for a marathon myself, and in some of these long runs, I think I lost about five pounds just in sweat. Oh, yes. I believe that you ran your final 20-mile training run about a week or so ago. Are you in taper mode now? or? So my last long 20-mile run was last Sunday. Okay. And I start my true taper on Wednesday. I train with Kevin Fowler, as you know, and I do about a 10-day taper. So I'll have a 10 mile tempo to do on Wednesday. And then truly from there, I'll be kind of backing down on the miles and stuff and really get a lot of rest in, in the next 10 days. So you seem like a type A person. Is it difficult for you to taper? <laughs> do you feel a little antsy? You want to get out there? <laughs> oh, I'm so antsy. I'm actually having a really hard time sitting still. So <laughs> I do CrossFit as well. So kind of stepping back from that a lot as well. And Sitting around and resting a lot has been very difficult for someone who is always on the go. I have a border collie too, so she likes to get outside and run a lot. And yeah, it's kind of hard sitting around and resting. But I know that come race day, like this truly like almost like the taper, I feel like kind of fuels the fire. It just like really helps me push myself to limits that I didn't think I could reach. So I know that although I'm a little antsy now, I'll be ready to go on race day. You're doing a 10 day taper, you said. I think most training plans have a three-week taper, so you've condensed your taper period. Absolutely. But it's worked really well for me in the past and trained with Kevin and I've used his training plan now for a couple of marathons and I've really liked the results from it. So 
So did Kevin have you do anything differently than how you had been training before? Not specifically this time. I pretty much used the same format that I used for the Jim Thorpe marathon that I did in May. And aside from the weather being a little bit differently and it being a little bit more humid, it's still going pretty well. I was able to get three of my 20 mile runs in. I usually do about four wow. for the whole 15 week plan. I did miss one of them. I had a lot going on with work and wasn't able to get the 20 mile in, but I was able to get the other three in. So and I felt really good about those. I only had two 20 milers in my plan. And for me, that's enough. But whatever works for you is great. So let's talk about your more recent marathon journey first, and then we'll drill down in Chicago. And then later in the podcast, we'll talk about your earlier running. So I know one of your goals is to run in the Boston Marathon. And in your age group, the qualifying time is three hours and 30 minutes. So in 2019, you ran the Chicago Marathon and you had a BQ margin of three minutes and 26 seconds. So your time was three hours, 26 minutes, 34 seconds. So you must have felt pretty good at that time. Wow, I get a, a BQ margin. So we'll go into more detail on that race in a few minutes. But of course, the Chicago Marathon's in October and the registration for Boston's in September. So you just missed the registration window for the 2020 marathon. But then it didn't matter anyway, because the marathon got postponed due to COVID. Because I know you're a member of the Empire One Running Club, and we do have two invitational bibs for Boston. So you applied for one of those, but unfortunately, you didn't get selected in the lottery. So because Boston was postponed, you could use your 2019 time as a qualifying time for Boston for this year. But unfortunately, because the field was reduced, you had to be seven minutes and 47 seconds under your qualifying time. So your 326 margin just didn't make it. How did you feel? You must have been very disappointed when the BAA announced that. I was very disappointed. And this is not the first time I've qualified either. I qualified back, ran a race in 2018 to run Boston in 2019. And I did get cut then, which I kind of anticipated based on my time. So when I ran Chicago in 2019 and I got the time that I got, I was pretty confident that I would be able to run in the Boston Marathon that following qualifying window. No one expected COVID to happen. Right. And being a nurse and being someone who works in the medical field, kind of seeing that other side of things, I had this feeling, this just gut feeling that I might not be running it this year. It might not be my year just based on everything kind of getting canceled. And a lot of the field size just due to social distance and stuff were getting reduced. So once they kind of announced what the window would be, I kind of knew based on there was about 18 months of people that were registering for the 2020 race or the 2021 race. We had all of the 2020 racers. And then you had six months of my year before all the races started getting canceled due to COVID. So based on that and a reduced field size, I was kind of going in anticipating that I would most likely be cut, which is why I trained for Jim Thorpe in May. I wanted to have a backup knowing that I had already kind of been in training mode and I could kind of just jump back in and hopefully get another BQ time to have a backup plan for 2022. So I kind of had that in my back pocket just in case. You mentioned that the field size for Boston was reduced this year. It's you know, Normally it's around 32,000 runners and this year it's 20,000. So um, hopefully next April, when you apply again, it'll be back to the normal field size. I hope so. 
But you mentioned Jim Thorpe. Let's talk about that. That looks like a very interesting event. Until you ran in that race, I never knew that there was a town named after Jim Thorpe. For the listeners who might be too young to know who Jim Thorpe is, and of course, that includes me also. Uh, <laughs> he was the first Native American to win an Olympic medal in 1912. And he won gold in both the decathlon and pentathlon. And he played professional football and baseball. And they named the town in Pennsylvania after him. So tell me about that event. It's a very small town. It was a wonderful event. A lot of small races have been going on since COVID has started, which we're very thankful for because a lot of the big events have been closed down. It was a beautiful race. The course was um, point to point, scenic the entire way, absolutely stunning. It was like a one to 2% downgrade the entire time, which was great. And honestly, the first 20 miles was all very shaded. So despite the fact that we had maybe 50 to 60 degree weather and the day of the race, it was probably about 80 or so by the time I was finishing. Ooh, that's warm. Yeah, it was very warm. But the shade for the first 20 miles kind of kept that coolness in from overnight. And it was a beautiful course. We had water right alongside us the entire way and very well supported and lots of volunteers that were involved, which was great. I think they did a really good job running it. We were able to start pretty much whenever we wanted just due to COVID, they were trying to minimize like a large crowd starting at the same time. So we just started when we wanted and did our own thing. And I started with a friend. We did split ways after a few miles, but the course itself was just stunning. I think I was distracted the entire time just looking at the beauty of it. You mentioned it's a point to point. So the runners take a 25 mile scenic train ride from the town of Jim Thorpe through the Lehigh Gorge State Park to the starting line. So what was the train ride like? Absolutely just beautiful. They stopped along the way too, so we could take some photos. Truly is a really beautiful area. You don't realize driving there what you're about to see. It's a very small town, so driving through, I wasn't expecting to have those scenic views. I cannot even imagine how it would look in the fall. It is just absolutely stunning. The train ride was really fun. It's a lot of racers that were all up on the train and a lot of spectators and stuff. So it was kind of nice to get back into the racing world again and just talk to other runners who have been doing a lot of the same things and have similar interests. I actually met a couple of people too, who would also be doing Chicago, which was really fun and just collaborating with everybody again and talking with everyone. So that was back in May. So you're right. That was at a time when races were just starting to come back. So I'm sure there was a lot of enthusiasm. Absolutely. Everyone was really, really excited to be there. Yeah. After almost a year and a half of no races, that was great. So in that race, you beat your previous Chicago marathon time by about five minutes. Your time was three hours, 21 minutes, 52 seconds. So that gives you a BQ margin of eight minutes and eight seconds. So like we said, assuming that next year's field has its normal size, I think you're probably feeling confident that that's going to be good enough to get you in. I feel pretty good about it. And unless there's a double pandemic, I'm thinking I should be good for April. Well, this is my third time I've qualified. So I'm hoping third time's a charm. Yeah, me too. You must have felt good after the Jim Thorpe though. I really did. The last six miles was a little rough for me. Like I said, it, the first 20 miles was all shade. And then the last 10K, it all opened up. So it was a lot of sun. Yeah, 80 degrees. That's pretty warm. I don't do very well in heat, so I do tend to struggle a little bit when it gets hot. You know, I had some people distract me a little bit towards the end of the race, which was really helpful. Thank goodness for them, because 
I probably would have wanted to walk at one point. Just when it gets that hot, I get a little nauseous. I get overheated and it becomes a mental game at that point, especially towards the end. But the course itself was amazing. So you mentioned that you'd been training with Kevin and Kevin's daughter, Lindsay, who's a professional dietitian for female athletes. And she was also a recent guest on the podcast. I, I believe that you know, Lindsay. So have you ever discussed fueling with Lindsay? I have actually, I did touch base with her a little bit in the beginning when I was kind of trying to qualify for Boston. I had qualified once and I knew I was going to get cut based on the window. And then when they changed the times, I didn't know if I was going to be able to reach that goal and was kind of looking at every avenue of what I could do differently. Like I know training wise what I needed to do, but I didn't know if maybe changing my diet would maybe help me kind of get that time that I needed. I did touch base with her a little bit and I do through my gym have a registered dietitian in there as well that does a lot of teaching for us and offers a lot of different education and stuff for what we need for whether it's running or lifting. So I kind of end up going that route since I'm at the gym pretty frequently and have pretty much a strict eating plan of what I need to get in for whether I'm racing more or lifting more. And that actually I do feel like has helped a lot. I don't think I was fueling my body enough when I was just started out as a runner was kind of a new thing for me. And I definitely was not eating what I needed to eat in order to run the way I was running. Right. In my conversation with Lindsay, I discovered that many female athletes underfuel. They're conscious about weight and so they don't fuel enough. And so ultimately the health and performance suffered. You mentioned the gym that you belong to. I believe it's CrossFit. Yep. CrossFit. So in preparing for this podcast, I was doing a little homework on CrossFit and I saw that they have, in addition to their exercise regimen, that they also have nutritional advice. And part of their advice is to limit your carb intake. And I was just trying to balance that with, after talking with Lindsay, that part of her advice was, well, you want to make sure that you have sufficient carbs, right? You want to have a balance of carbs and protein and color. And so... How do you balance your carb intake if, if you're following the CrossFit nutrition plan? So I think there's definitely a balance. And I really think it just depends on what your goal is. So I've definitely learned in the last few years, you can't be really good at both CrossFit and running the way that I like to run. So you kind of have to put your focus somewhere. When I'm training more for a race like this, or especially a marathon, I mean, that, that's 15 weeks of training. I tend to put more focus on having more carbs in my diet, but healthy carbs. I do a lot of sweet potatoes and rice are two of my main things that I eat the most of, especially around my long runs to make sure that I have that intake versus lifting. If I have more focus towards that and I'm not really training for a race or a marathon specifically, I tend to do a little bit more protein and cut back a little bit more in the carbs. So I think it just really depends on what your goals are and what you're training your body for. And that took me a while to learn. And I think that's why I was probably underfueled for sure in the beginning when I first started out. And I definitely have noticed a huge difference based on how I eat. I keep track of all my food and my calories and what I'm taking in. And I definitely have noticed that energy level is a lot different based on the fact that I'm eating more. I'm eating to fuel what I need to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then Shortly after recovering from the Jim Thorpe Marathon, then you started training for this fall Chicago. What made you decide that you wanted to run Chicago again? Well, so it's funny. I absolutely loved the Chicago Marathon when I did it two years ago. I think the course was just amazing. The cross report was amazing. You really just truly get that runner's high that everyone talks about. And 
I didn't have plans to run it again. I qualified for Boston, as we know, and then qualified for Chicago again, based on that marathon, which would have been putting me in to run Chicago for 2020. I had a couple girlfriends who put in for the lottery and got in. With COVID, everything got canceled. They deferred to 2021. They really wanted me to go with them. They wanted to make it a girl's trip. They thought it would be fun to go away for a few days and be gone away before the, the three of us have gone away before to do these runs together. And we thought it would be fun to just go out to Chicago and run a marathon. And obviously with COVID, unfortunately, things got pushed off. So now I'll be doing October and I'll be running in two weeks. So I actually registered for the Chicago Marathon for 2020 and it got canceled because of COVID. And so then we had the option of deferring to either 21, 22, or 23. And I didn't pick 21, so I'll probably do 22 next year. So I'm interested in your experience because I'm really looking forward to going out there next year. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the Chicago Marathon. It's, it's the fourth largest marathon in the world, and they typically get 45,000 runners, although this year's field is reduced from that. But they expect over a million spectators this year, even with COVID. And so... For you personally, do you like the big city races or do you prefer smaller settings? I think I prefer a little bit of both depending on the situation. Jim Thorpe was absolutely just stunning. The course was just so scenic and beautiful and truly was very breathtaking just to see that type of scenic view during the run. However, not a lot of crowd support. And I think when you're running that type of distance, I prefer the crowd support, especially towards the end of the race to really like push you through. And when I ran Chicago in 2019, we had crowd support the entire time. There was just people cheering and bells ringing and music playing. And you run through all the different areas of the city and you never really lose that energy because you get so much energy from the crowd. So I think for a marathon to have that energy and that crowd support and all of that coming at you really just fuels you and boosts you to get to the finish line. Whereas a smaller race, although the scenery is really nice, you kind of tend to struggle a little bit more, especially towards the end when you don't really have that energy from everyone else fueling you to push you through to the finish. Yeah, I've run a number of big city marathons, and I guess that would be my personal favorite. You know, I've run Boston, you know, New York City, uh, Marine Corps, Philadelphia. That's why I was looking forward to Chicago as well. And hopefully I'll get to do that next year. So the course itself is pretty flat in Chicago, but yet it's really crowded. So do you think Chicago is a good course to go after a PR? I think it depends on the person. I do really well running on a flat course. I have done other distances as well on flat surfaces and have always done my best. Some people do a little bit better when there's rolling hills. It is very crowded. I was shocked at how crowded it was. I don't feel like I would have been able to slow down if I wanted to because I Felt like I would have almost been run over by everybody. People were pretty much shoulder to shoulder when I did Chicago. And everyone likes to cut those corners. That's the one downside with Chicago. There's a lot of turns on the course. So you are turning pretty frequently. So you really want to try to cut those tangents as close as possible. And you need to try to get over as soon as possible to be able to do that. And when there's that many people there, you kind of have to be careful of your footing a little bit. Didn't thin out that much throughout the race then. It did not. I really thought like most races, it would thin out over time and it never did. I was shoulder to shoulder with people pretty much the entire 26.2 miles. 
Wow. So if you're a sports fan like I am, one of the neat things about Chicago is you can look at the course and all the professional sports venues, the course goes nearby. So the course, it starts and ends in Grant Park, which isn't that far from Soldier Field where the Bears play. And then, of course, the course goes through 29 of the city's neighborhoods and it goes north near Wrigley Field. I don't know if you can see any of these places when you run, but but it goes near Wrigley Field. And then it goes west near the United Center where the Bulls and the Blackhawks play. And at Wrigley Field, of course, we all know the Cubs play there, although there's no postseason for the Cubs this year. But then it goes south to what used to be Comiskey Park, and now it's called Guaranteed Rate Field where the White Sox play. thought that was kind of a neat, fun fact. But how did you feel after the Chicago Marathon? It sounds like you get good crowd support, really energized you. I felt amazing. I actually went into that marathon. Initially, I had spoke to Kevin Bow prior to running it. And I felt like just from previous marathons, I was so close to qualifying so many times with the new cut time that they gave us. And I just kept missing it and missing it and missing it. And Kevin actually had reached out to me. I've known Kevin for years and we chatted about what I've been doing and maybe things I could change and what I could do differently. And he jumped in and gave me some ideas of what to do for training. And I just figured why not try it. But I went in not really expecting to qualify because I've missed it so many times with that new cut time. I just went in like, all right, well, I've tried everything else. I guess I'll try what you're giving me to see how it goes. And I was very surprised, like with some like the long runs, he had me running much slower to really allow for that recovery, which I'm not used to doing. It wasn't used to doing prior to. So I was kind of nervous going into the race thinking like, how am I going to race a sub eight minute mile when I've been doing all my long runs at like nine thirties, but with all the speed work and everything else he gave me, I felt amazing that race. That's actually like one of the best runs I've ever had. I felt great the whole time. I fueled really well too. Nutrition was a huge part, which is also something I had changed. I felt very well hydrated. And even after the race, once I finished, I felt like I could have kept going. So that training plan for sure has made a really big difference between that and nutrition. And I felt probably the best I ever felt in all of the marathons I've ever done. That's awesome. You felt you could have kept going. So maybe there's an ultra in your future. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd go that far. (laughs) (laughs) So this year's race, I'm going to give you some inspiration. I don't know if you're familiar with Shalane Flanagan. She won the New York City Marathon back in 2017. That was the year I ran it actually. And she recently retired from competitive running, but this year she's planning on running all six Abbott World Marathon majors, which includes Chicago. And she's going to do that over a span of 42 days. And she has a goal of running each of those in under three hours. So when she runs Chicago, in fact, Boston is the very next day. So Chicago's on Sunday, October 10th, and then Boston's Monday, the 11th. And so she's going to run Chicago. She's flying to Boston and she's running Boston. And so the sixth marathon she's running, the the first one she just ran yesterday was Berlin. And she crushed a three-hour goal. She ran Berlin in two hours, 38 minutes. So she did that. She's running London on October 3rd. And then, like I said, Chicago and then Boston. And then Tokyo is also a marathon major, but she's not running Tokyo. Tokyo got postponed till next year. So she's running a marathon in Portland, Oregon instead on October 17th. And she wraps up in New York City on November 7th. Absolutely incredible what she's doing. So when you go to Chicago, how many days do you plan to stay there? Are you going to have a chance to do any sightseeing? I hope so. When I went back in 2019, I really didn't have a lot of time to sightsee too much. 
pretty much flew in the day before the marathon, went to the expo, went to bed pretty early and then ran the race, did a little sightseeing that night and left the next morning. So I am going a full day earlier this time and staying a whole nother day later as well. So I am hoping to enjoy the city a little bit, check out some of the local areas. And I think all I really got to see last time was the bean. The bean. Yeah, I think that's in Millennium Park. It is. So it's not far from where the race starts and finishes. No, it's pretty close to where I was staying. So I am hoping to do a little bit more. I want to try some more restaurants out and really just enjoy the city a little bit too. And the weather looks beautiful. Yeah, awesome. Well, Chicago's well known for deep dish pizza. The original Pizzeria Uno is in Chicago. Kind of a tourist trap, actually. But if you're there, maybe it's something worth doing. So we've been to Chicago a few times, and it's, it's a great place to go running because right, right along Lake Michigan, there's a trail, and it's just a beautiful place to run. You could run from downtown along that trail to the museum complex. And my favorite place for a drink in Chicago, there's a great rooftop bar, which isn't very far, actually, from where the marathon finishes and ends. It's called Cindy's Rooftop. And it overlooks Millennium Park, the Bean, Lake Michigan. So if you have any extra time, that's a good place for a drink. Oh, I'll be putting it on the list. (laughs) (laughs) I made a whole list, but I don't want to bore people who don't have any plans for going to Chicago. Maybe might not be so interested. But one of the tallest buildings in the world, the Sears Tower, is there. So that's always something good, too. So let's now talk about your running and just athletic accomplishments in general. You attended Aguam High School. Did you play sports when you were in high school? Were you a runner back then? You know, it's funny. I was not a runner. I played soccer, though, so I did get a little bit of running with that. And then I did about eight years of karate as well. Wow. And then you attended Alms College in Chicopee, where you studied nursing, which, by the way, my daughter, Elizabeth, she attended Alms, and she's a nurse at Bay State, so have something in common with Lizzie. So did you play any sports while you were at Elms? I chose not to play any sports. Just being in nursing school, I knew that would occupy a lot of my time. And I have the choice of being in nursing school and having a little bit of a life outside of that or being consumed with sports and just nursing school. So I chose to step away from sports knowing that I wasn't going to be going professional in anything and just really put my focus in on my studies and spend the extra time with family and friends. So when did you start running then? If you didn't run in high school or college... Well, it's actually quite funny. One of my friends who I used to work with at Bay State Hospital convinced me one year to run a 5K. It was the hot chocolate run in Northampton. Oh, I've run that many times. Oh, it's one of my favorites. And she convinced me to do it. Although I was not a runner and had no interest in ever running for a period of time, she did convince me to do it because it was for a really good cause for abused women and children. So I signed up with her and I remember telling everyone that I was running a marathon. I didn't even know what the difference of distances were. I didn't know what a 5k was and everyone was shocked that I was running a marathon that weekend. And really it was truly just 3.1 miles. And I remember running with my friend and walking a lot of it and remember saying to her like, Oh gosh, this is going to take forever to do. Like why do people run distances like this? And not only that, the hot chocolate run, it's always freezing cold. It was so cold and I am not someone who loves winter. (laughs) So it was uh, quite the combination, but we did it and it was for a good cause. I felt good about it at the end and had said, you know what, maybe I will do this again next year and I'm going to train for it next year. (laughs) And sure enough, I signed up for the 5k next year and trained for it and ran the whole thing and thought to myself, okay, this wasn't so bad. And then I started 
just getting into some 5Ks here and there. I did the St. Patty's 10K once a year. That was the most I ever ran for distance. And the 10K was just fun. Everyone dresses up in all their St. Patty's gear and the crowd is fun. And when I started working at Connecticut Children's, one of the nurses I work with, I tend to get convinced easily into things. And she convinced me it would be a great idea to sign up for a half marathon and run for the NICU. And although I've never run more than 6.2 miles at that time, She really said, let's do this together. It'll be for the kids. We can do a NICU team. We'll raise money for the NICU. And I was easily convinced and agreed to it. And my first half marathon was the Hartford half. And I think that's what really, truly pulled me into running the crowd. We know we talked about crowd support earlier and just the energy that I got from everyone, from the crowd and just seeing the kids at the end and just like the amount of money that we raised for the cause was almost like emotional. And really, it felt so good going through the finish line. I remember feeling like it was such a big accomplishment. And although I hadn't trained much for that distance, and I did have to walk some of that first one, I knew right then and there, that that was the runner's high for me. (laughs) Just like that runner's high that everyone talks about, you had the crowd support and the people and the kids and everything. I signed up for it again the following year. And at that point, I had trained and got sucked in and wanted to do more, started looking into marathons and got the wild idea that I wanted to qualify for Boston. And here I am. (laughs) So then what was your first marathon? My first marathon was the coffee milk marathon in South Kingston, Rhode Island. And that was in 2018. Oh, sorry. That was my first one I qualified for. Gosh, my first marathon was in Holyoke. It was the Walter Childs marathon. Oh, yes. The Walter Charles Race of Champion, a.k.a. the Holyoke Marathon. Exactly. That was in 2017. was my first ever marathon. You mentioned Hartford was your first half marathon. Quite a few people, Hartford is their first marathon. It was my first one, actually, because it's big, it's local, it's a well-run event. So how many marathons have you run? I believe I'm on number 12 now. 12? Oh, you're, you're ahead of me. That's awesome. 12 in a short period of time, too. I know, I know. I probably did a little too much. <laughs> Well, have you ever had any issues with injury? Surprisingly, no. I think in the beginning, the most I felt when I just started this out was you need to learn how to fuel your body and what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And I definitely did struggle with that in the beginning when I first started doing these distances. It's not just about the marathon itself. It's all the training that's involved with it. And I definitely wasn't fueling enough for it. Once I learned how to fuel, I never actually got injured. I just felt very tired and didn't really have the energy. Once I started fueling correctly, it just was a game changer for me. I was very fortunate. I have never been actually injured. I've had some minor things like shin splints and stuff, needed new shoes, some blisters and stuff here and there, but nothing major that prevented me from stopping or having to kind of back out of a race. Well, I got to believe that your CrossFit really helps your running. I think that was a big thing too. You know, it's funny when COVID happened, I've always been more of the runner. Everyone at CrossFit kind of knows me as the runner. And I really just did CrossFit initially to just have a little cross training in there, keep up with some of the strength, but I never really put a lot of effort into CrossFit before. When COVID happened and all the races got canceled, I didn't really want to put all these miles on my body for no reason without having a race to work towards. Gyms were closed, but a lot of my friends had weights and stuff that we just started doing circuits and stuff together. I started lifting a little bit more, picking up more, I think that a little bit heavier and gyms opened back up and I wasn't really cherry picking anymore. And I was lifting heavier than I used to and signed up for the Jim Thorpe marathon. And I honestly think 
when I signed up for that and started training, I felt very strong. I remember talking with Kevin after I had already worked with him for the Chicago marathon. A lot of my speed work was way faster than what I think he had predicted. I felt very strong, very confident. And I think a lot of that was due to the strength I got in CrossFit for sure. I believe that a lot of runners don't really do much cross training. And I was in that category when I started long distance running, but then I had a few injuries and Achilles problem and shin splints and so on. And then I joined the gym and I believe that really helped me just doing either boot camp or some activity we call tread and tread. And I really haven't had any serious injuries since I belonged to the gym going on three years now. So yeah, I think that makes a big difference. I'm sure that's helped you quite a bit. And speaking of CrossFit, I've seen some of the videos. You clean and jerk quite a bit of weight. How much are you cleaning and jerking these days? I think the last PR I did for that was about 95 pounds, I believe. And I think I saw you do a 30-inch box jump. Yes. We do box jumps sometimes, and I always rotate it down to like the 20-inch height. <laughs> That's where I started out. It's definitely made a big difference for sure. Yeah. Now, in training for a marathon, too, it's very time-intensive. And you mentioned your work as a registered nurse at Children's Hospital in Hartford. And, and you're also an adjunct pediatric clinical instructor at UMass Amherst. And so working two jobs, how do you find time to train for a marathon? Well, as, as you mentioned earlier, I am a very type A person. So <laughs> I tend to have a very specific schedule that I try to stick to. If I write it down, I'm pretty good at getting it done. So I just plan ahead. I'm not someone that can just like jump in and just go out for a run or just go to the gym. I have to plan ahead based on my day. I look at my schedule ahead of time and know like when I need to maybe move some things around. I always plan my long runs on Sundays because I don't work Sundays. So that's when I have my most time to be able to get that in. And the rest of the week, I just try to pick and choose. I'll wake up a little early and get a run in before I go to work which is also great for my dog. She loves to run. Sometimes if I have a lot of energy coming home in the morning, I'll do it in the morning too. It really just depends like what I have to do and what time I get out of work. And I definitely, it is difficult sometimes. I work nights. So it is sometimes hard fitting everything in. Oh yeah, that must be tough if you work a night shift and then to run in the morning. Yes, it can be. Not only that, do you alternate shifts? Do you work nights some weeks and then days other weeks? No, so... I just do nights at the hospital. When I teach for UMass, that is day shift. So that will be days, but otherwise I'm all nights. So I just work just like people would work around their schedule working day shifts and also training for a marathon. You have to fit those runs. It's whether you wake up a lot earlier or you are up a little bit later through the night. If I'm running in the evening at all, I do have like a light up vest and stuff that I use. I'll go out for miles. I'm not really a treadmill runner. So I try to be outside as much as I can especially with the dog, which is really helpful. Oh yeah. Right. She likes to be outside. <laughs> <laughs> I find that people with busy schedules actually sometimes do better, right? Because it forces you to practice good time management skills. When I was working, I had to be very disciplined. You know, I'd go running before work and so on. But now that I'm retired, I have all day. And so sometimes it's a challenge for me to, well, I can always go running later in the day and I put it off. So sometimes having a busy schedule helps. I do think it definitely helps for sure. I always have my day planned out by the hour when I'm trying to fit everything in. And, you know, I know if I only have two hours to go for a run and I have to run six to eight miles, I know that's going to take me a little bit over an hour. And I know I have to get it in that time frame if I don't have any other time to do it. 
Yeah. So while preparing for the podcast, I did research your race results online a bit. And I found that you run just about every distance because I see you at Ashley Reservoir on Thursday nights. You run the 5K races. And like I said earlier, you were the first female finisher at least five times. And your times are under 21 minutes for a 5K. So that's awesome. And you would have won the 12-week series if you showed up all 12 weeks. Oh, I know. You missed a couple of weeks. Those girls trips, they uh, <laughs> unfortunately uh, kind of messed with my plans to come all 12 weeks. <laughs> but I did miss her, which was really exciting. So get to live your life too. It was funny. You know, I never actually run all 12 weeks because we always go on some kind of summer vacation. And I know one friend of mine, he drove back from the Cape to run because he didn't want to miss the 12 week series. <laughs> That's so funny. It's something I don't think I would do. And then in 2017, you ran the Cape Cod Marathon Chowder Challenge. It's a half marathon on a Saturday and then a full marathon the next day. So how did that feel doing two long races consecutively? That was tough. I was a newer runner at that time too, especially at those distances. The half marathon, I went out way too fast. And I think I burnt myself out a little bit going into the marathon. I think if I were to do things now differently, I would use the half more as a warm up, enjoy it, and then hop in and maybe push it a little bit more for the marathon distance. But I remember not feeling so great on that one. That was a rough weekend for me. Yeah. I was dehydrated. I didn't feel enough. I didn't eat enough after the half. Talking about now, after having the experience I've had, fueling was a huge part of how you do as a runner. If you don't fuel correctly, you are not going to perform well. And I will have to say that weekend definitely proved that to me. <laughs> I agree. For me, not only fueling, but just hydrating. A few of my marathons, I had bad stomach cramps after mile 20. And I ultimately concluded it was dehydration. I just wasn't stopping enough at the water stop. So Lindsay advised every other water stop take Gatorade and then the other ones take water. So alternate water, Gatorade, but stop at every water stop. So that's what I've been doing. And it's worked out much better for me. Absolutely. So you also did the Disney 10K in Orlando. And so that must have been cool running through the theme parks. Yes, that was so fun. We ran through Epcot and they do it before the parks open. And it was just so fun because everyone dresses up for it. So it's kind of more of a fun race. It was very hot and humid, which not my favorite type of weather, but mm -hmm. so much fun to see just everyone kind of dressed up and running through the parks. And again, just meeting a bunch of people from different areas that you never really get to talk to. And I, everyone has that one thing in common when you come to races like this from all over the world, they come for a race like this. It was actually really cool because there were so many people at that race and it somehow I ended up right at the front of the line. And it was just incredible to see the crowd behind me, truly just looking back and looking at how many people were there and then just finishing and watching everyone come through and like all their different costumes. It was a lot of fun. I believe in the winter, they have the dopey challenge for one weekend. They run a 5K, then a 10K, and then a half and a full. Do you ever think about something like that? Now that you have experience doing a half and a full on consecutive days. It definitely has crossed my mind to do something crazy like that. Just with the experience I've had, I would definitely go into it a little bit differently than I probably would have in the past. And I think the biggest thing is for a series like that is just hydration. It's huge. I don't think we realize how much we need to hydrate in order to kind of get through back-to-back -back runs. The training plan I'm on now, I do have a lot of back-to-back -back runs sometimes. And with work and everything else and having to sleep, I know I have to hydrate well because otherwise I won't perform well. And I can feel it. And not just during the race either, right? All day. All day. Yep, exactly. You also ran the Newport 10 miler. How was that event? I'm really bummed. I haven't been able to go back there. I've only done it one time. And that was by far 
such an incredible course. I, again, love scenery and it was absolutely just breathtaking. It was beautiful. The weather was perfect too. So we lucked out with that and had some friends there. At the time, that was actually a PR for me. All in all, I really love to go back there at some point. Newport's a beautiful area. I love all the restaurants and the shops and I like making it a weekend trip. Yeah, I ran the Newport Marathon and unfortunately it just was pouring rain the entire time. It was just a downpour. It was beautiful scenery, but I didn't really get to enjoy it. (laughs) We just got soaked. So now you've run all these distances. Do you have a favorite distance? I really do love the half marathon distance. If I had to choose, I think it's very easy to train for. It's enjoyable and it doesn't really take up a whole lot of your day when you're training for it too. And I don't need as much recovery time either with it. So I have to say I could easily run a half marathon every weekend if I wanted to, because it's very enjoyable for me. My dog's able to do it with me. She has a great time. (laughs) A lot of my friends are able to do that higher distance too. So I usually have someone to chat with. I'm not one to listen to music when I run. So I usually will chat away if someone's running with me. So I do like catching up with friends and stuff on those runs. You could listen to podcasts. <laughs> I've asked a lot of people that question and almost everyone has said half marathons. It's amazing. Okay. For the reasons you gave, it's quite an accomplishment, but yet it's doable with a reasonable amount of trainings. Exactly. So do you have a favorite place in Western Mass that you like to go running? I think one of my favorite places, honestly, is Ashley Reservoir. I just love, again, the scenery. I just love the views and it's so pretty there, especially in the fall, like the leaves are all starting to change colors. And it's easy because when I did my training, I would do a lot of drop stops with waters and snacks along the way and do one big loop. But now that I've been into the running game for a while, I like Ashley Res because I can just drop all my stuff in one spot and just loop through as many times as I want. I have friends that will pop in and do one loop, two loops, three loops. I'm able to catch up with a lot of people. I enjoy it a lot more and I don't have to carry a lot of stuff with me either. So some people don't really like doing loops like that, but I've actually grown to love it. Yeah. If you're doing a 20 mile training run there though, it's at least five loops, depending on which loop you take. And I have done the 20 mile runs at Ashley Res, but I try to change direction or I'll go a couple different ways just to change it up a little bit. Sometimes I'll run over to... HCC, just to break it up. But I really do actually res. It's not as rough on the knees because it's packed dirt and it's beautiful there. So you get a little bit of breeze. It sure is. It's really a hidden gem in Holyoke. So after Chicago, do you have any big events on the horizon? I'm hoping Boston. That better be the next event. Boston. Yes, of course. That's my plan for April. So Ashley, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences on the podcast. Absolutely. Best of luck in Chicago. I'm sure you'll do great. Thank you so much for having me. This is the 26th episode of the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. The first episode was released back in March. I'm very grateful to all of the guests who have shared their amazing experiences on the podcast. Almost everyone who I've approached about recording a conversation has been very enthusiastic about sharing this story. I've received some nice feedback from listeners, and it's all due to my awesome guests. It's been a lot of fun to make new friends and catch up with old friends. I've learned quite a bit along the way. If you have feedback or suggestions for future podcasts, please contact me either through Facebook or send me an email. My email address is timgaudet, T-I-M-G-A-U-D-E-T, at charter.net. 
However, it's time for me to take a break from recording new podcasts, but it's not due to a shortage of interesting people and stories. I have a list of folks in the Western Mass running community who I think you would love to hear from, but I'll be in Boston next weekend for the marathon. And during the last two weeks in October, Cindy and I will be visiting national parks in Utah, Colorado, and Arizona. Also, this is my 26th podcast. And since there were 26.2 miles to a marathon, it just seemed like an appropriate time to take a break. I'll reassess my schedule in November. But in the meantime, if you're a new listener to the podcast, there's lots of older episodes to discover. Just skip over the end of the episodes where I talk about upcoming events. And speaking of upcoming events, the best place to search for them in Western Mass is the Greatest Springfield Harriers website. Rob Landry does a great job of maintaining this list, as well as listing links to local race results. There are 11 events listed between now and the end of October, with 11 more events listed in November. And of course, the hot chocolate run is returning to Northampton in December. So rather than me resetting the list of events, I suggest that you go to the Greater Springfield Harriers website to find a race. If you're looking for a race in Connecticut, I recommend the Run 169 Towns Society or debticonn.org. I used to also recommend running in the USA, although when I tried to go to that website today, there was an issue. And finally, good luck to everyone running in a fall road race. In particular, best of luck to Ashley Mellon, my guest in this episode of the podcast in the Chicago Marathon, and to all of the Western Mass runners participating in the Boston Marathon. I hope to provide a first-person account of Boston in a future podcast. Thank you for listening to the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And as always, happy running. Happy running.